Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute, formerly Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders in their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. We are broadcasting live from West Palm Beach at the International Leadership Association Conference. This year's theme is Authentic Leadership for Progress, Peace, and Prosperity. In the world that is increasingly interconnected, our actions as leaders ripple across the globe. This year's guests talk about their work as global leaders and practitioners to advance the field of leadership. We are live at the International Leadership Association Conference, and I am delighted that we are joined by Alan Bird and Joyce Osland. And this segment, we're going to talk about um, how significant the issue of global leadership is, how we identify, develop, and support them, and also talk a bit about how not only important but challenging the work is that we're asking global leaders to do. So let me give you a brief background about Alan and Joyce, and then we'll jump in. Alan Bird is the Darla and Frederick Brodsky Trustee Professor in Global Business at Northeastern University's Damore McKim School of Business. He's authored, co-authored, and edited nine books, more than 90 journal articles and book chapters. His most recent book as a co-author is Global Leadership, Research, Practice, and Development, the third edition published in 2017. Joyce Oslin, PhD, is the Lucas Endowed Professor of Global Leadership and Executive Director of the Global Leadership Advancement Center at San Jose State University, where she co-founded the Global Leadership Passport Program and the Certificate of Advanced Global Leadership. So let's start with you. Alan, give us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll talk about your work. I uh, started out uh, with an interest in Japan, spent some time living and working there, did my graduate degree at a Japanese university and found myself at a Japanese research center. Oh, interesting. Uh, As a part of that, I uh, interacted and uh, worked with a number of expatriates and that uh, that generated a great deal of interest in the in the challenges of managing in, in international contexts. While I was at the University of Oregon I developed an interest in human resource management practices and over time that led to an interest specifically in global leadership. Uh, the interest grew out of a recognition that increasingly we were asking managers to lead in ways that uh, often they they felt ill-prepared for. Mm-hmm. And um, there didn't seem to be obvious um, counterparts to, uh, to the sort of experiences they were being placed in. So they often felt like they were on an iceberg all alone. Mm-hmm. Kind of, how do I do this job? How do, you know, who can I turn to? To, to do this, and so that, uh, that shift really began to focus specifically on global leaders around 2000. And you went then from corporate life to university <coughs> around the same time? I did. I, I worked as a program director for a, a language and cross-cultural training company in Japan for a number of years. Completed my master's degree and worked at a Japanese research center and then made the decision to step out of that and, mm. uh, and pursue a PhD. Spend more time thinking about the problems I was observing people encounter than uh, 
than I uh, than I could in my other position. And now you're helping solve these challenges. Well, I I try. <laughs> and Joyce, I had serious wanderlust. So okay, when I graduated uh, from my master's degree, uh, my husband and I started living overseas. Uh, we also we were also Peace Corps volunteers. Okay, which country were you in? For Peace Corps, it was Colombia. Okay. And I did community development there, and then he and I both continued working with poor people in for Foster Parents Plan, it's now called Plan International. Um, he worked for them for over 10 years and I worked part-time because I was also having children. So I did research mm -hmm. for Plan and I also trained, um, I trained employees. Uh, we would set up new, new offices in different countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And so I would train them and, and supervise them until someone could take over as a department mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. chair, head. Uh, and then I'd move on to to others. And then I, I really, I loved organizational change. I just love changing organizations, whether they pay me to or not. So I uh, went back to the States and got a PhD in organizational behavior and began doing a lot of OD consulting mm -hmm. with organizations. And again, went overseas. As soon as I graduated, we went overseas mm -hmm. again, and I taught at uh, INCAI in Costa Rica. It's, it's a Central American business, uh, School of Business Administration and worked with lots of organizations mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. teaching. So I, I have always been fascinated, in addition to change, by personal transformation. How do we develop people and, and grow mm -hmm. them to mm -hmm. do things? So I helped set up a, a program for women's leadership in Costa Rica, for Latin America, really. And then just eventually thought, well, it makes perfect sense that I would move to global leadership because mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of research on expatriates too. So I love that both of you have both practical business experience, global business or, or NGOs or nonprofits, and global experience before you moved into academics. So what I want our listeners to hear specifically is this isn't someone who just researched stuff. These are two people who have deeply lived what you're now researching and teaching. So what is it about the global context that makes leading globally a challenge? Well, if we had to sum it up in one word, it would be the complexity of it. Okay. And that complexity consists of people having to deal with a multiplicity of, I would say, people and entities. Mm -hmm. So many of our global leaders don't just work inside their own organization. They deal with governments. They deal with other other organizations sometimes are both competitors and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. collaborators mm -hmm. on things. Um, of course, suppliers, clients all over the world, but they just have a lot of people on their speed dial mm -hmm. and and external organizations too. So that means they do a lot of boundary crossing because of that. They're also highly interdependent with a lot of other groups. So okay. their work is impacted by people all around the world, mm -hmm. as well as situations, of course. And there's a lot of ambiguity in what they do. We're not always sure. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different rules to follow in different countries. We're not always mm -hmm. sure what the causal relationships are. Mm -hmm. So all of this adds up to, to a really extreme amount of complexity, which is why we coined the term extreme leadership. You know, when mm -hmm. people ask mm -hmm. us, what is global leadership to you? The short mm -hmm. answer is, it's extreme leadership. My company actually just entered in, or is just in the process of entering a joint venture with a company in India. And so I'm learning, I've been teaching global leadership, but when I actually own the company, not work with an organization, I'm starting to realize how personally things like currency fluctuation impact my ability to pay salaries right. for our people. And right now we're having a currency issue. So everything we had planned is now shifting to how do we run the enterprise and what currency denomination are, do we get paid in and how do we survive that fluctuation and still attend to paying U.S. salaries. So it's been interesting. These are things I never thought I'd worry about. Right. Yeah, I, I, I was reading a quote just today. No one realizes the true cost of going global because mm -hmm. there's all these rules to navigate all over the world. Oh, yeah, tax implications as well, something curious. 
To add to that, the level of interdependence is, uh, is extraordinary. It's not just that there mm -hmm. are a lot more people to, and a lot more organizations mm -hmm. to interact with, a lot more regulations, both at home and abroad and, and internationally. It's that everything seems to be connected to everything else. And that makes it really difficult, as Joyce was saying, the ambiguity is challenging. And part of that ambiguity is if everything's connected to everything else, then it's, it's uh, seemingly impossible to know what happens when you pull a lever or, or flip a switch or push a button, you know, mm -hmm. what, the, what the downstream uh, effects of that will be. And, uh, and we see lots of evidence of that. Uh, going back a few years, uh, Coca-Cola had a problem with, uh, with their bottling operations in Belgium uh, with, with some contamination in the water. Well, Coca-Cola Belgium and Coca-Cola India are completely independent. Mm -hmm. There's no connection between them at all with regard to the products, but immediately that had, a, that had an impact on what was going on in India. And, uh, when that's the how do you as a global manager anticipate what the mm -hmm. you know what the spin-off effects or what the side effects will be and then even if you can anticipate what the effects might be which lever do you pull which button do you push mm -hmm. to, uh, to to move the organization forward and i would say all of that is made more extreme more complicated because of uh, what we call fast flux rapid, unpredictable change. Mm -hmm. uh, managers simply can't anticipate where they're going to be, uh, what, where the company's going to be. Uh, companies that were on top one day can, it, mm -hmm. can be within a matter of months on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Competitors can come out of nowhere. One of my favorite examples is Mars that manufactures M&Ms and Snickers. Mm -hmm. And dog food. And, and, and dog food. But if you're, if you're Mars and you're trying to sell M&Ms, Mm -hmm. Who's your major competitor? Well, when I ask this of, of executives I work with, they'll come up mm -hmm. with Nestle or, uh, mm -hmm. or Hershey or Cadbury, or mm -hmm. if they're from Asia, maybe Lotte or, or Meiji. But the reality is, Mars's major competitor in the M&M's market is Apple because given discretionary income in their major ah. sales population of 12 to 26, the choice isn't between M&M's and uh, some other piece of candy, it's between M&M's and a, a Beyonce download or Angry Birds. Oh, uh, so how do you compete in that environment? Mm -hmm. And knowing that that can quickly change makes it even more, even more challenging. So how do you help leaders understand and prepare for that kind of fast flux. And that wouldn't be just global leaders, that's also domestic leaders. Differently, because you don't have some of the currency volatility and stuff, but it seems like we're all facing this fast flux and our competition is defined very differently than it was in the past. When you ask how can we help leaders prepare, I, I would take a step back before that okay. and ask, can we identify, and if we can, what, we sh what should we look for in individuals who might be able to work effectively okay. in that environment? Okay. Uh, so often businesses are confronted with what, what we call the make-or-buy decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do we go out and, and, and hire talent? Do we recruit? Or do we try to develop that internally? Mm -hmm. and, and that's still a challenge. Our, our answer is always the same. Well, before you make the make or buy decision, you ought to identify what it is you need. Mm -hmm. And then you can make a decision about, is this something I can find in the marketplace? Or is this something mm -hmm. that I can develop within, uh, within people internally? I, I'm not avoiding your question. I'm no, just setting uh -uh. it up. So what should we look for in identifying them? That's exactly the question. Uh, the research that, uh, that we have done uh, suggests that there are a number of uh, characteristics mm -hmm. that we ought to look for okay. in the selection, if you will, and then and then there are other characteristics that we ought to look to develop. Are and there I also would, characteristics you look to avoid? Yeah, there are. Okay. We tend not to spend as much time talking <laughs> about that. Often they often they appear to be kind of the opposite okay, of, of what, what we're looking, looking for. for. Okay. So let me give you an example of one. If if I were asked which is the most important characteristic attribute that a, that a global leader 
brings mm -hmm. to uh, brings to this challenge and will help them succeed. There are many that come to mind, but I would say I would opt for global leaders who have a uh, very deep sense of curiosity, ah, a desire okay. to understand, a desire to know. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, there are other characteristics, mm -hmm. but that one seems to have a uh, extraordinarily powerful impact and uh, subsidiary effects, uh, secondary effects mm -hmm. on, uh, on other characteristics and attributes they might bring to the, uh, the challenge. So we're going to go to break right now, and I invite our listeners to question, how curious are you? We'll be back momentarily. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We're with Alan Bird and Joyce Osland, and we were talking about leadership competencies, and Alan said the most important is curiosity. So what else? You said there are hundreds of competencies. How do you sort them, and what, what do you want our listeners to hear in a short conversation? Let me start with the how do you sort them first. Okay. Um, in, my, uh, in my review of these 200 plus competencies that different researchers, scholars, and, and practitioners mm -hmm. have identified. I, I engaged in a process of trying to uh, sift mm -hmm. through them, winnow them down, see if I couldn't find ways to, to, to group them, categorize mm -hmm. them. I uh, eventually settled on three, we'll call them buckets, okay. three, three broad buckets. The first is, uh, is business and, and organizing competencies and there are mm -hmm. a, a number of competencies within that but this really has to do with uh, your ability to to lead a business to run a business mm -hmm. to understand mm -hmm. what are the the critical issues the you know the key mm -hmm. drivers and and the like the second uh, the second bucket would be 
the interpersonal and included okay. in that the intercultural. How do we manage relationships? Mm -hmm. And there are some things we know about that and some particular competencies that emerge. And then the third is uh, self-management. How do we manage mm -hmm. ourselves? Leading globally is extraordinarily challenging for the individual. The demands on their time. Uh, is it Tina Racing and uh, Jim Ludema at uh, Benedictine have um, completed a study where they actually spent time with, uh, with five global leaders mm. a week at a time, essentially following them around, cataloging wow. everything they did. And what they found is they spent significantly more time than a typical manager mm -hmm. in business. And because of the time zones and distances involved, mm -hmm. that, uh, that longer period of time extends on a daily basis. Essentially, they work much longer hours from earlier in the morning till later at night. So setting everything else aside, the, uh, the, the physical demands mm -hmm. of, of that sort of schedule are huge. And then the challenge of, of tracking, uh, keeping on top of all of these different individuals, different issues, different challenges and tensions um, has a, a extraordinary psychological toll, just kind of keeping up with all of that. Mm -hmm. So managing yourself becomes extremely important and, and uh, there are a number of competencies related to that mm -hmm. that that uh, are associated with uh, with leaders being effective or, or mm -hmm. ineffective. I appreciate your saying that because it does, I feel overwhelmed often. I should maybe not admit that, but they're, they're just a lot of moving pieces. And as you've said, I'm working with folks in the Netherlands and India and we're six to nine hours apart. And so the conversations are happening hours outside of my, what would be a typical work day. Well, when you're dealing with Europe and Asia and, and mm -hmm. North America or Latin America, then you're essentially operating outside of somebody's work hours and usually outside of uh, two of the party's work mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, that takes a toll. Mm -hmm. uh, this is why one of, the, one of the instruments that we use to assess people in terms of their global competencies, it has 16 dimensions, but three of those dimensions are related to stress. Ah, interesting. So we are acknowledging that just the physical limitations of a human body are real. And we have to attend to them, not just get yeah, over absolutely. it and mask it until we collapse. You know, if I had to winnow down the competencies, in mm -hmm. addition to curiosity, I would also mention cognitive complexity. Okay. Which yeah. yeah, that's one of the top ones to I look at. Global mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The ability, and it makes perfect sense because if your environment is extremely complex, then the mm -hmm. people that work in it have to be equally complex. And then in addition to cognitive complexity, I always think of social behavioral complexity. Acumen, yeah. Well, the ability to, to code switch and adopt mm -hmm. behavioral scripts from other countries mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. to make people feel at ease or comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think we, we see that that's very important and we, we've done a study on expert global leaders and that's one of the things they talk about quite a bit. And is that things just as simple as observing space and yes. understanding that the human being across the table may, may see any gesture that I make very differently than I intended? And that it, it's only Americans that stand about 17 inches so that the ideal, the ideal distance mm -hmm. is where I could put my thumb in your ear for an American. Mm -hmm. It's not at all the same for many other cultures. Some are much closer. And some are much farther. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot, but there's a lot of adapting like that, especially for global leaders, because in, as we know, every country in the world has its own indigenous leadership style. Mm -hmm. So there's no way that a global leader can learn all those mm -hmm. indigenous styles, but they should be aware of how countries tend to vary mm -hmm. in terms of leadership, and they should be able to adapt if to the one person that's in front of them from another culture, if that's necessary. You know, if you have a group with people from all over the mm -hmm. world, which a lot of them do, right? That's mm -hmm. Their direct yeah. reports are like that. You're really talking about a meta level of leadership mm -hmm. that's above all of that because... So hopefully, if I'm sitting across the table from a person, mm -hmm. I will, if I do something offensive, notice the facial expression. Now, unfortunately, sometimes their facial expressions 
are also different than I would interpret an American facial expression. So I'm at a double disadvantage, this even is, if I'm paying attention. This is, this is a challenge. We, uh, in Thailand, they talk about 17 different smiles. So hmm. when a Thai is smiling, which of those 17 is he smiling? Is he smiling of the smile of embarrassment for you? Mm. Is he smiling okay. the, me, the smile of embarrassment for, for himself? himself? Is it a smile of happiness? It, mm -hmm. so there's so many different gradations to that. And what we found in the, the expert global leadership is that those global leaders who were really good at this had, uh, had exceptional skill at being able to, to tease out those differences, to notice those mm -hmm. differences, mm -hmm. and then to accurately uh, determine how to proceed from there. Because it's not just enough to be mm -hmm. able to say, okay, I, I understand what's going mm -hmm. on. You then have to, as, as Joyce indicated earlier, you have to be able to choose the right course of action. What's the proper behavior to respond to that? And I'll, I'll give you an example of how, how mm -hmm. complicated this can be just in the context of Japan. When I go to Japan, mm -hmm. I lived and worked there for eight years. I uh, one time was near fluent in Japanese and very comfortable mm -hmm. moving in and out of that environment. But when I go to meet with the Japanese manager, should we bow? That's the typical Mm -hmm. way of greeting in Japan, or should we shake hands, which is a typical way of greeting in, mm -hmm. in the U.S.? Well, I have to think about that individual manager, not just mm -hmm. Japanese in mm -hmm. general, and I may think, okay, I'm, uh, I'm meeting this Japanese, so I'll plan on bowing, but I know mm -hmm. that Mr. Tanaka spent some time, you know, working in the New York office, mm -hmm. so he's probably mm -hmm. going to want to shake hands, but Mr. Tanaka knows that I have spent time you know, extensive mm -hmm. period of time in Japan, so he may be expecting me to bow, and 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 you can see that kind of ripples mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. Kind of, usually what happens then is we uh, we start to bow as as we extend a hand to shake, <laughs> and we kind of you know mm -hmm. deftly pick up on the cues. You know, the hand kind of recedes quickly as mm -hmm. we bow if you know if no hands coming forward. But that sort of action, which is very small mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. you know in the larger scheme of things. Effective global leaders have to be able to do that, and they have to be able to do it across a range of cultures mm -hmm. and a range of contexts where the behavioral requirements and uh, and the appropriate responses change, and that's what makes it so extraordinarily challenging. So as you say that, I, I met my Indian partner recently, and it was the first time we had met in person after deciding to form a company together. And it was an awkward, like, handshake hug yeah. thing, and neither one of us knew what to do, but it was the acknowledgement that neither one of us knew what to do that made it feel okay. Mm -hmm. Had it been like, of course it's this, then that would have seemed actually almost power struggle-ish, kind of, am I trying to take charge versus collaborate? It seems like there are a lot of really subtle cues that can be interpreted, again, differently than I intend. And this being male-female dynamics as well, how does gender play into our different cultures? And male-female dynamics across cultures and, mm -hmm. uh, and all of the challenging signals that that can, uh, mm -hmm. that can generate. So if I am a person who is interested in being a global leader, how would I learn some of these things? As you've said, it's incredibly complex not only on the cognitive level, but the physiological level and the emotional level. We're seeing, actually, my center has just done a benchmarking study on um, university global leadership development programs. So we're seeing many more courses and, and programs at the university level. Of course, a lot of uh, consulting companies mm -hmm. have started to work on this, and, and some companies have some very good in-house programs, too. But it's, you know, it's, it's also a matter of just continually educating yourself. Because mm -hmm. the, other, the other competency I would add to it is learning. Okay. You have to learn fast and you have to adapt fast. And you have to keep learning. That's right. This isn't a thing it's I learned once. It's never done. It's not okay. done. There's just, it's, it's the whole world. Hence curiosity. Exactly. Well, especially as we watch what's happening right now on the global stage. Countries in and out of or, treaties, Brexit in and out, political shifts major. It seems like how we interact 
because politics does set the stage in some ways, that we're continually needing to adjust. I also think we need a different kind of leadership. Okay, so let's talk about that. And, well, and you're talking a, a business and organizational, not political. No, not political. Okay. I know better. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, my last conversation was entirely about political leadership. So I just want to clarify, I would love we're, not to, talking no, about we're not talking about political leadership. Einstein said, we can't solve today's problems with the same mm -hmm, thinking mm -hmm. we used to create them. Well, I think it's also we can't solve today's problems with the same thinking and leadership mm -hmm, that we created used them. to create them, right? Which yeah. is why another reason why global leadership is so important. So many of our problems are global inter. and interdependent mm -hmm. in a very strong way. So to go back to the question of how do we develop people, one of the reasons we did this study in expert global leaders mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. because we wanted to be able to accelerate the development of other people. We thought okay. if we study them, mm -hmm. we'll know exactly what they're doing and then hopefully we can create more of these. Okay. So I'll speak first, but I think we both generally take the same approach. We both use an assessment center approach uh, with our students. We give them a battery of assessment instruments that mm -hmm. we know are relevant. Mm -hmm. And then many simulations mm -hmm. where, where they're given feedback and they okay. learn to give feedback to other people too. Mm -hmm. And in particular, everything, I, I have this global leadership lab that is designed mm -hmm. to develop okay. people. So everything I do in there is based on research Right, right, right. And I think that's, again, for our listeners, it's important to know that, that this is deeply research-based and practical to apply. Right. And then we also do research on the lab. We've mm -hmm. been, we started it in 2008, and, uh, you know, every, mm -hmm. we put over 1,200 people through it. Wow. And we have a data a mm -hmm. base on, on those people. So it's, it's also a matter of, of giving them a lot of feedback on their behavior mm -hmm. when they do something that could be offensive or mm -hmm. or just wouldn't be effective right they get a do-over <laughs> so anyone will call wait do it again <laughs> which doesn't happen with a no, client no no it or doesn't with a colleague. it doesn't but that's mm -hmm. the beauty of being able to mm -hmm. you know to experiment in a lab with your own behavior and get lots of feedback from different people I and love coaching that idea so we see an enormous improvement mm -hmm. from the beginning of a course to the end of the course. Okay. And we also have a certificate in advanced global leadership, which is for people who are already graduated from college, so it's for So it's a continuing okay. It's for it's for anyone really. But it's still based on that same idea of tremendous self development. They t because they take these instruments they also mm -hmm. do personal development plans mm -hmm. and e they email us every week how they're doing on these plans. So that's, that's you know, I it, it, do something similar with mine, whether it's global leadership or, or domestic leadership or technology leadership. The part that is similar is heavy assessment, doing the SWOT analysis and figuring out where the gaps are, and then creating a plan with support mm -hmm. that we give feedback because I do what I think is going to work, and somebody else who's not me needs to tell me if that's actually effective. So I love the plan idea. So let's go on break. We will be right back talking about how to develop effective global leaders. And especially I appreciate the level of research that you've done associated with the assessments and the development process so that people, when they invest in, in building their leadership, they're building the right things. Right, right. I think so often there are people who offer solutions that aren't research-based. Right and we invest time and energy and may not get the outcome that they've promised us. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. 
We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf and Associates offers proven results backed by leading edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. So welcome back. Maureen Metcalf with... Alan Bird and Joyce Osland at the International Leadership Association Conference. So this is the perfect topic. During break, we were talking about that there are actually multiple types of global leaders. So let's talk about what those types are. And I happen to have the benefit of looking at the the framework on paper. Uh, we're going to d- describe it to you. Where did it come from and how do you use it? And then what is it? It grew out of our... Uh our, our frustration as we as we looked at people doing research in the mm-hmm. in this area, the uh, the samples that they were studying, the people they classified as global leaders, we found we found difficult to compare. Okay. Uh, they would define them differently. Mm-hmm. One study, for example, might define global leaders as expatriate managers, managers working abroad. Mm-hmm. Well, some of some of those managers might be global leaders, but other managers might simply be doing what they were doing domestically in a different location. And and so there was this how do we compare all of this research that's being mm-hmm. done? How do we learn from it as opposed to mm-hmm. just one more study that tells us something about uh, about a group of people and a phenomena that may or may not have something similar to something, mm-hmm. you know, to another group. As we wrestled with that definition increasingly we found ourselves going back and focusing on the context Mm -hmm. and saying it seems to be that what is different are the role requirements of these leaders and that is a function of the context and what's the context we eventually broke it down in terms of two types of complexity uh, relationship complexity, the interdependence and the nature of, uh, and, and the variety of relationships you're dealing with, and then task complexity, how many tasks do you have to deal with and what are the nature of those tasks. And uh, having developed those two, those two axes of, of relationship and task complexity, might be somewhat facetious. We knew that we were onto something because we had a two by two, and, and so <laughs> and now we could do, we do true social science. Right. Uh, You're not really a researcher unless you have the two by two. <laughs> I, and I wish it were that simple, but it took us a long time of mm-hmm. wrestling mm-hmm. with what exactly are we talking about if we say mm-hmm. relationship complexity, and what are we talking about if we say task complexity? Does this adequately capture? the environment and then if this is the context and we can talk about a context say that involves 
low relationship complexity or high and high mm -hmm. task complexity. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What are the role requirements that a manager that a, that a manager might confront, and that would lead to them, you know, being a leader, becoming a global mm -hmm. leader mm -hmm. in that context? And so, it took us um, took us what about three three or four years once we uh, once we started down that path to really settle on it. And in retrospect, it looks obvious, but it wasn't obvious at the time. <laughs> this is something people don't know about research, right? Yeah. So let me take a shot at how I would use this. If I'm looking at filling a role, I need to understand, is it incremental, is it connective? And, and we'll, then we'll go into exactly what these are. So I know what I'm looking for, that there's not one bucket of global leaders and I pull the piece out and stick it in someplace and it, it's all going to work, that there there are great nuances. So selecting people for roles, if I'm in a role, I'm mapping how effective am I and where do I need to grow, are those some of the ways? Well, let me, let me give you an example of how, um, how this was used with uh, a Japanese pharmaceuticals company that's a, that's a global mm -hmm. company. Uh, I was brought in to do some do some work with their with a group of their uh, high potential managers, and we actually pulled out some masking tape, mm. laid out a two by two on the floor, mm. and then we started having conversations about how complex the task complexity of their jobs okay. and the relationship complexity. And I spent time just giving them some things to ask themselves about. Mm -hmm. You know, how mm -hmm. many how many people are you dealing with? How many how many boundaries are you needing to work across? Geographic and well, both geographic and an organizational. Oh, it's okay. a pharmaceutical company, so mm -hmm. one of those boundaries is all of the different government entities in all of the different countries where they operate mm -hmm. that have regulations that influence. And as we did that, I took a group of about 50 managers in this company and they eventually gravitated to different spots. I'm mm -hmm. in this quadrant, I'm kind of at the high end of this quadrant or the low end of this quadrant. And there we had it. We had a, we had a rough mapping and then we could have conversations about well, let's talk about the nature of the work you're doing and what's mm -hmm. required and, and how do you lead in this position. Okay. If you're in a quadrant that we would call connective, mm -hmm. you're managing a lot of relationships. Okay, so how are you managing those relationships? How do you, how do you lead the people you're responsible for mm -hmm. in, you know, in addressing those challenges? Uh, and, and as you indicated, uh, the, the types of uh, capabilities that managers need and the types of capabilities they develop as they lead in those in those different quadrants is quite is quite distinctive mm -hmm. and don't always transfer from one quadrant to another so that's going to be an important point then if i'm a global leader <coughs> in one quadrant i can't necessarily take any global job i need to either take the global job in the quadrant where i'm effective or build new skills and and be aware of what that new job involves I do this exercise too with all the executive groups and student groups that I work with mm -hmm. in the beginning of global leadership workshops and it just sets the stage because they, they mm -hmm. know where they are and then they start talking to others, okay now what's required here, what would I mm -hmm. need to be doing? Mm -hmm. So it's also good for, I'd say several things, it, well, certainly it's good for selecting people but it's also good for self-selection because some people know they don't have Mm -hmm. that, that they wouldn't be happy there, right? Okay. And then it's certainly important from an HR standpoint, we can have a much better handle on what kind of training those people need to mm -hmm. move from one quadrant to another so that they won't fail. So let's quickly go through what are the four quadrants so our listeners can imagine. So we've got low and high task complexity and low and high relationship complexity. So can you walk Joyce, us through? why don't you? So at the bottom left-hand corner of the two-by-two, two, we have low relationship complexity and low task complexity. And we called that category incremental. And we struggled with these names because a lot of words, they just weren't mm -hmm. precise right, enough. Right. They didn't have the right meaning. But mm -hmm. we, we named that incremental because in many ways we think of it as a continuum. Mm -hmm. So this is the next step from domestic leadership. Ah, right? okay. And right. of course, domestic leaders could have some aspects of global leadership. It's not mm -hmm. that these are mm -hmm. completely separated necessarily. And then uh, 
that, so they have low levels of variety and flux in their in terms of their task and when it comes to their relationships they have low numbers and variations of boundaries and low levels of interdependence on other people so they don't have to wait for things from other people so right? relationship being That's if i don't if i'm not interdependent my relationship requirements are low and if i don't have many boundaries to cross mm -hmm. people to deal with either inside my organization or outside my organization. Mm -hmm. Great. And I always think of these things as I have a radar screen in front of mm -hmm. me that are things that I'm tracking on my job. Mm. How many task uh, things okay. am I tracking and oh, how many relationship things am I needing to, to mm -hmm. take care of, right? Perfect. So let's go to the next. I just want to be sensitive till we don't run out of time. All right. So I'm going to the right. So I'm in the right-hand bottom quadrant, and we call this operational because this is high task complexity, but still low relationship complexity. So in terms of task, in this kind of a role, you have high levels of variety in terms of the mm -hmm. different types of pieces mm -hmm. to, your, to your job, and they change a lot. There's flux. So this is the next step past incremental, going along a continuum. To the right. right? Okay. So more complexity in terms of task. But still low relationship. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, dealing with fewer actors, fewer stakeholders, mm -hmm. you have to... Uh, mm -hmm. Fewer time zones, predominantly domestic, maybe. Right. And then... Maybe. Now I'm going up to the, to the uh, left hand, the top hand quadrant. It's called connective leadership because now we're into high relationship complexity mm -hmm. where we have high numbers of people that we're dealing with and entities. Mm -hmm. We have lots of boundaries, different kinds mm -hmm. of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we have a high level of interdependence in that they're waiting for me to do work and I'm waiting for them ah, to do work, okay. right? That's a lot harder than when I control everything in front mm -hmm. of me. But they have low task complexity. So we call them connective because we're trying to emphasize it's the people. Okay, so, so we're on the relationship, relationship side. High relationship complexity. And then in the upper right-hand corner, this is high-high in both areas. We call this integrative global leadership. They have high levels of variety and flux in terms of their task, and they have a high number and variation of boundaries and high levels of interdependence in terms of their relationships. So th this is really the most challenging, mm -hmm. in a sense, because they're dealing with the most extreme forms of complexity. And that's why we call that integrative. They're integrated both types. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming that's the hardest one to develop. Yeah. Yeah, you would never want to take somebody who was a domestic leader and put them straight into an integrative global leadership job. Okay. That that would be probability of success is low. Exactly. Exactly. But you also confront a challenge if you have somebody in that connective who's developed a lot of skills in terms of managing mm -hmm. the relationships, strong interpersonal skills, strong mm -hmm. uh, what I would call behavioral acuity, able to pick mm -hmm. up on, mm -hmm. you know, on all of the nuances and relationships. So they're good at that. And you say, okay, let's move you into the integrative quadrant. And now the question is, okay, they were good at all of those relationships. Are they good task. at handling all of the tasks and the complexities mm -hmm. of, associated with that task of mm -hmm. a wider variety and a great uh, and far more change in, in, in the sorts of tasks they have to address? Mary, let me, let me give you one example of task complexity. Because mm -hmm. we have a lot of case studies of people that we've studied. And one woman had to divide an enormous company into mm -hmm. two. It had never been done mm -hmm. before. There was no, no way to turn, mm -hmm. no one to turn to because no one had done it on that scale. So at one point, she realized that they were tracking 30,000 different things and they had to create their own software mm -hmm. just to follow all of those things. Mm -hmm. That's so the that's level task. of complexity okay. that we're talking about. And so large, complex, multinational uh, versus there are companies that operate in other countries, but they're not that scale. No. So that, again, the complexity, my little company certainly doesn't compare to GE or Whirlpool or something. The problems are all mine, so they seem big. But <laughs> and complex. We're just here to make you feel better. <laughs> no one would hire me to be the G, uh, the CEO of GE. Uh, that would be just dumb. But if you think about this on a continuum, mm -hmm. from where you were, 
mm-hmm. to where you're going, mm-hmm. the task has become more complex, so you've moved further to the right. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with more more individuals, more mm-hmm. more entities, yeah. then it's also moving from you know from lower to higher. And so you may be moving in the direction mm-hmm. of, of a greater integrative challenge. And that's that's the other thing that I think is useful with this this typology and this framework is it allows us to recognize how global leaders have to change. And that I think that's a brilliant thing to come to closure on is having a framework that helps me understand what are the key dimensions and how do I as an individual leader, how do the people I'm helping develop, how do we assess them using your robust assessment tools and then helping them build their plans, whether they're college students, grad students, or senior executives. Because I could be a senior executive and not be integrative. Oh, yes. And in some cases, never going to be integrative. So knowing my limitations may also, especially for the company, we don't want to put people in positions where they're going to fail. So how would people learn more about your work? Because it seems like it's so foundational right now in this time, both what you've written and also the assessments. I assume they can take the assessments even not part of the university. Yes. Okay. The assessment we use most commonly and and which Alan was instrumental in creating is the Global Competency Inventory. Okay. So Global Competency Inventory, where would someone find that? They would find that at kozaigroup.com. Can you spell and We that? have a small company, yes. Uh, K-O-Z-A-I group.com. Okay, great. And then the name of your book. This book is the Global Leadership Research, Practice, and Development. And the first author on it is Mark Mendenhall. Okay. And for our listeners who didn't get the benefit of looking at this matrix, it is published in this book along with just a wealth of other information. I really do encourage you, if you are stepping into a global leadership role or in a global leadership role and wanting to upscale your skills, this is really a very valuable resource. So thank you so much for listening. I hope as listeners, you heard something that helps you up your game in your own behavior or a framework that you might look into more that will help you develop yourself and the people around you. Joyce and Alan, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us live in West Palm Beach at the International Leadership Association Conference. In these turbulent times, investing time and energy to build and evolve leadership skills becomes a critical success factor for individuals and their organizations. I challenge each of us to explore the impact of leadership on our lives and on the lives of those we lead. Imagine what each of us could do as we work together to address our challenges and leverage this unique point in time where the impact of a small change from one person or one organization can ripple across the globe. Together we can create a world that is truly peaceful, just, and prosperous. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you join us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.